freaking podcast rolling. He's taking his sweet ass time. And we have important things to discuss, but he's too busy paying with his credit card. Upgrading the damn account so we have unlimited <laughs> data for the year with analytics. Are we ready? I hope you like the new intro for the full spectrum podcast. <laughs> Dude, it's about time. If I had known we were recording, I would have used my really good voice. <laughs> All right. So we here at the Full Spectrum Warrior family just want to, you know, say that our our hearts and our prayers are, are with the families and friends that are affected by the tragedy that happened in Parkland, Florida, yesterday. Um, it's a very traumatic and, and tragic experience to go through something like that. And uh, we just just wish everybody you know, the, the best that, that they can have. So um, that's, this episode's going to be about active shooter scenarios from us here at the Full Spectrum Warrior, our viewpoints <clears throat> and how we see things um, and, and the way we instruct the actual active shooter scenario courses yeah so we're gonna we're gonna go into um not we might not dive super deep into what do you do uh we can touch on that but there's a lot of after every single one of these attacks there's all these conversations that reopen um how did this attacker pull this off, what were the warning signs, gun control, political environment, and the national environment, what can schools do, should teachers be armed, there's all these discussions that come up, and um, and we just want to take a minute just to kind of talk about some of them, and, and some of the things that we can do as individuals or as communities to start increasing the odds of survivability in these types of attacks. If we have time, we'll get into the do's and don'ts of um, how to actually do the physical response. Um, <clears throat> but we have other training modules for that as well if we don't make it today or we can do it on a sec second podcast. But So I guess just kicking it off, we got Joel Riles here with us today. Joel is a uh, lead trainer with Fortress Canine. He's been on the previous podcast, also a former uh, Army veteran and uh, law enforcement veteran. Uh, we have James Guthrie, the dude with the red hair, as you might know. Formerly known as Redbeard himself. Yep. So, so James is here. I'm Rich Graham, uh, veteran Navy SEAL, founder of uh, Full Spectrum Warrior. And um, yeah, man, so we'll just kick it off. So, Joel, what, what are your thoughts on... Um, from a law enforcement perspective, so one of the things that we have right off the bat is everyone saying, how didn't we see the signs? You know, how does a 19-year-old get his hands on the guns? How didn't we see this coming? Now that we're reviewing his social media platforms, um, look at all the telltale signs. He had knives. He had photos of him shooting guns. Um, you know, there's some reports i don't know if they're true or not that he had attended antifa rallies who knows how much of this stuff's true or not but these are the different things that are on there so from a standpoint of that from a law enforcement standpoint joel 
from your perspective, realistically, they're they're telling people now if if you if you have an issue, if you think something's unsafe, call the police. Let them know that someone's posting threats online or whatever. What, what are your thoughts on that from a law enforcement perspective? Yeah, I think even on the Fox radio station we were listening to this morning, they said we'd rather get a million false reports than have this happen again. And, and I appreciate the mentality of we'd rather you know do a lot of work and, and avoid these than, um, than to ignore something and have it happen. But the reality of the situation is, if you get a million false reports of anything in any industry, you start taking none of the reports seriously. Yeah. Uh, the other aspect of this is, you know, it, it's kind of the national response to what we've often talked about in terms of the, the individual personal um, situation of when somebody comes and they say, I want to learn how to defend myself against a knife attack. What 99% of people mean or at least think in their mind when, when you say that is, I want to know how to defend myself against a knife attack and never get cut. I want to yeah. guarantee I won't get injured in a knife attack. Yeah. And the bottom line is that's not the world we live in. That's not reality. Yeah. If you're going to learn to defend against a knife attack, then you have to say, I'm willing to get stabbed and cut and slashed and I'm going to win anyway. Teach me how to win anyway. Yeah. Because that's the reality if someone attacks you with a knife. You're going to get cut more than likely. So in these situations, we go, so we have these threats out there, right? Because one of the, the girls that was interviewed said, ours was the safest school ever. So, yeah. so people have this mentality that they think either <clears throat> it's not going to happen to them, people had a hard time accepting that it was actually going on, and we look and we go, so... Either everybody can be paranoid all the time, everybody can live in la-la land, which is what it seems like a lot of people want to do, or we can be in this balanced middle portion where we say, this kind of stuff is reality, it happens, let's be prepared for it, but let's live our lives at the same time. Yeah. So when they start looking at social media now and they're like, okay, well what we need to do is anyone who's posting photos of knives or guns or anything that could be construed as violent or hateful we need to report it to the police. That would then bring us to the question of, okay, well, at what point does that start to push into freedom of speech? And if we even go to all the people in Hollywood and all the, the famous actors and musicians who've been posting photos of holding the president's head cut off mm -hmm. or saying if they saw the president, they'd spit on him or punch him in the face or someone should kill the president or... You know, the same thing with conservative speakers who try to go to college campuses and you have mm -hmm. you have these huge rallies that are, are doing threatening violence to the speakers. Do we now take all those people who are part of the resistance and now we start looking at them and going, okay, well, you guys now all f fall into the profile right. of uh, <clears throat> this hate and violence speech and we need to take a precaution and we need to, to put you all into mental health institutions Right. Like I, I don't I don't know if this is a like a realistic solution, um, and to you, me it just seems like it's way overwhelming. You know I get I get where they're going with it at the same time. Like I just don't think it's a realistic option for for yeah. prevention well, here. What people really need to ask themselves is: Are they willing, or would they rather have dangerous freedom or safe slavery? And that that was one of the things the founders addressed a lot, and, and even wrote about during the the founding time frame of the country. 
is you have to accept personal responsibility for yourself. That doesn't just mean going out and getting a job so you can feed and house yourself. It also means taking responsibility for your own protection, taking responsibility for your family, um, being aware of your situation, <clears throat> and helping your neighbors when they actually need help. Yeah. Uh, legitimately, we, we've gotten away from the personal responsibility, and so what these people <laughs> what people say they want is I want freedom but at the same time I want security and the two things are they often work in kind of an opposing um, yeah scale yeah so the more freedom you have the more freedom there is for bad people to do bad things the more strict you get so you know Russia during the the uh, peak of the communist time frame Nazi Germany had very little crime yeah because they just went and killed anybody they thought might commit a crime before they committed it. Yep. At least a crime as they saw it, right? Yep. So it, that's the other problem is this becomes extremely subjective. Yep. So if you start looking at all the Facebook, Instagram accounts of, let's say, people who are in high school, we'll just keep it at high schoolers since this is where this event happened, and say anybody who posted these kinds of things, let's go take a deeper look at them. I guarantee you're talking between 10 and 50 million people that you'd have to go evaluate. Yeah, between 10 and 50 million people nationwide. That's and, and keeping in mind that 99.999999% of yeah. those people are mentally healthy. They're just normal kids. They just like doing whatever it is they're doing. There's no issues, and they're never going to do anything bad. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what we saw with the NSA with all the information, the data that they gathered. They wound up gathering so much data on so many of the American people that for them to actually identify the terrorist cells and networks that they were actually supposed to be looking for, they had so much information to work through and navigate through that they wind up dropping the ball on many things. And they found a lot of stuff, but at the same time, they're, they're overbearing um, such a wide search of data then leads to we don't have the manpower to sort through all this data so is it actually uh is actually just a hindrance versus actually helping um yeah. which then brings us into like you know from a from a local standpoint or or a um a community standpoint <clears throat> you then have this whole argument uh and this kind of goes into political it all kind of like winds into each other but you have this talk on obviously gun control and we we find more and more of these safe spaces I know for me yesterday while all this stuff was happening and I was in Georgia um, and I was going to the uh, the Atlanta Aquarium and as a law enforcement officer myself I was not allowed to bring my off-duty uh, my off-duty firearm with me concealed into the aquarium for uh, for the fact that it's too dangerous to have off-duty police officers or FBI agents or whatever. They told me they turn around anyone, even if you have a badge, it doesn't matter. You can't carry on their premises because it's private property. And I understand that from a private property standpoint. But at the same time, their argument here is I'm like, I didn't understand this attack was happening at the same time. And I'm talking to their security guards and their police there. And I'm like, dude, there's thousands of children here. We're at a time where terrorist attacks and active shooter attacks are on the rise, and this is a prime target. And their, their argument is, oh, well, you know, if an off-duty police officer shoots his gun in here, you know, it may damage the aquarium. And it's like, dude, the, first off, those things are made out of acrylic, you know, the same stuff that you make bulletproof, bulletproof glass. glass out of, right? 
and they're, they're like, like six two or eight feet, inches thick. Yeah, yeah the, some of the bigger tanks that they're talking about, are, it's over two feet thick of acrylic. It's like, okay, so you're more worried about that. Meanwhile, you pay no attention to the bad guy who's in there shooting all the children, not your problem, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And <clears throat> they're going to enforce private citizen, private business laws when it comes to managing gun-free zones. At the same time, the same political body that backs their rights to deny a law enforcement officer or a concealed carry uh, certified citizen to bring their gun into an area to protect their family and their children from harm, those same governing bodies will not uphold a private citizen's right as a private corporation when it comes to other stuff like making a gay wedding cake. Yep. Not that I give a crap about gay wedding cakes or all, all that stuff, but it's just, it's very interesting, the bias within the government and how they're enforcing this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one, we have a Second Amendment right that's just as powerful as our First Amendment right. Yep. You know what I mean? Of freedom of speech. So the, they're picking and choosing which ones, and all that's doing is, is creating an environment where we're going to be victims. Yeah. And they make these schools, these gun-free zones, just like the aquarium, just like all these places where you bring lots of people, concert halls, stadiums, yeah. you know, and their argument is, okay, well, with all those people there, if we had a bunch of people who had guns, you know, it's going to make it more dangerous for everyone. I don't know if that's actually the truth because the reality is if you're if there's a shooting that breaks out in a stadium, I don't think someone across the stadium will even know where the gunman is to shoot across the stadium versus the dude who's standing right next to him when he pulls a gun out and starts shooting yeah. innocent people and there's 15 people standing around the guy who stop the threat immediately like we've seen in different churches with under, with um off-duty police officers yeah. or undercover security Well, the guards. statistics don't bear out the risk that it is claimed to be there. So there's a couple of places online. Um, they're not obviously very very popularly reported, especially by the mainstream media, but they, they keep track of private citizens using handguns to end threats, whether yeah. uh, you know it's, it's like a public threat, like an active shooter, or whether it's just somebody personally attacking them, um, gas station robberies, things of that nature. And, uh, and there's something, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's, it's substantially high the number of threats that are ended on a daily and weekly basis around the country by people with guns defending either somebody who doesn't have one or that's being attacked by somebody uh, who had, you know, yeah. that, that's using a gun. Yeah. And, um, and almost never, almost never are innocent bystanders injured uh, or killed. And when they are, you hear about it, you know, because yeah. they, they want to try and use it to, to counter um, having guns to defend yourself. So this kind of stuff happens on a fairly routine basis. And while, of course, anytime you fire a, a weapon of any kind, the potential for the round going through and injuring somebody on the other side, the potential for missing and, and hitting somebody is always there. But people seem to forget that just like you were saying in the aquarium, that you're already dealing with somebody who's shooting people. Yeah. So if I shoot at the person shooting people and heaven forbid I actually hit somebody who was innocent and they get injured or killed, that's terrible, but they were standing right next to somebody who was already trying to kill them. Yeah. So and the odds are that if if that if it's this kind of attack where they're coming in with rifles, you know, the the argument that what I'm going to do as being a law-abiding citizen defending myself is going to 
to equal or increase the, the damage that the bad guy is doing if they're using a rifle is ridiculous because obviously a rifle is way more powerful and all the people who are protecting themselves out in the public, none of them are carrying rifles, they're only carrying pistols. Yeah. You know what I mean? So <coughs> why don't we talk a little bit about solutions, some yeah. of our thought processes on solutions. So Well, well real quick, ahead, like, so I think we, we always talk a lot about the guns and how, you know, the, the guns save people. I love guns. We all, we all enjoy shooting guns and stuff. But you could also bring up the same idea or, or the same thing and say, look at those three guys on the train. Not a single one of them had a gun versus the guy who had AK-47. He's talking about in Paris. In Paris, yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, in, in there's multiple situations like that, too, where it's just somebody taking action yeah. against somebody who has a firearm yeah. or a knife or whatever or whatever the case may be. You know, the um, the soccer hooligan in, in London. Yeah, you know, stopping that, the that took on, attackers. what, like four, three or four knife attackers, you know? Yeah. So getting cut up in the process, but... While everybody else stood there and watched and then ran away. Nobody came to help them. Right. You know, so it's all about people taking action, whether that action that you take is using a firearm or that action you take is is using um, your your own body to to help inflict pain and and at least stall the attacker, if nothing else. And we don't know the stories yet on this one in, in South Florida. There may have been people on scene involved in this event who did take action. One story that, that they're talking about is, is, is the, the football coach, the, football coach, the yeah. actual coach there. I guess, <clears throat> according to what they said on the news. Now, again, we we don't we have we have information the same information everybody else does at that at the moment. But he allegedly had blocked some of the kids and and told them to run while he took the shots. Um, you know, and that's a hero, man. That's 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 the kind of. I'm not saying that you need to go out and get shot. I'm not saying you need to go out and get stabbed. Yeah, but. At least there's action there. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying. But, but to but to to not one of our most basic rights is the ability to defend our life. Yeah. Right. Life, yeah. liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Right. My, the right to defend your life, the right to live. Right. And and that can be looked at multiple ways. But to handicap someone so that they do not have a true ability to defend themselves. Is um, is an encroachment on one of your most basic civil liberties. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And well, imagine what the a hero, a person with the willingness to sacrifice themselves to save children, like this coach. Yeah. What he could have done had he been armed and trained to use his, his weapon. Yeah. You know, instead of saving just a few, he could have ended the threat right then. Yeah. And and maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't have been killed in the process. But a lot higher probability that he would still be alive. I don't even know if, if he died or if he was just severely wounded. He, he was he, killed. He, he was died. killed. He was so, killed. You know, a much yeah. higher probability that he would still be alive. And and look, guys, look, we don't want to armchair quarterback any of this, and we don't want to sit there and use that hindsight's twenty twenty stuff and and say, well, this guy did this wrong or this person did that wrong. We only talk about what what we see, what we would do. And in, in hopefully would do in a similar situation. Not that we've been in that situation. Yeah. Well, but there's there, but so there's but there's some general things that it's it's not even I would have done this or I would have done that. We're talking about the odds. Yeah. The odds of increasing life sa- safety. The odds of survivability. The odds are, if there was someone in the school who was armed. 
Yep. And had had a little bit of training. Now, if there was multiple people in the school that were armed and had a little bit of training, the odds of of survivability, the odds of stopping the threat, <clears throat> increase significantly. Even if it's just from the standpoint of someone's walking through shooting random people, if someone starts shooting back at them, right? This kid didn't co commit suicide like other attacks. Had. He wasn't there to kill himself. He was there yeah. to inflict so harm. So if that's the case. If someone starts shooting back at him, you know what he's probably going to do? Stop and run. He's going to stop and run. He's going to he's going to hide himself and now it slows down his attack and by slowing down the attack and pinning him to a spot where he has to take cover or concealment, now that buys time for the children to continue their exit to to run away to safety or to get into hiding spots or to lock themselves in the classrooms or whatever they were doing depending on where that would have taken place i'm interested to find out how he got into the school to pull the fire alarm in the first place he shot a few people on the way into the school and i, I don't know if someone let him in or not but that's what we i'm saying like the, the story yet. that's why i'm saying i'm i'm, I'm interested to find <laughs> out because according to the story that's that's that i've heard that's been put out is that I, I personally didn't hear them say that he shot somebody before he went into school. I heard the story that he got into the school, pulled the fire alarm, and then shot the people as they were running for, for the fire alarm. Yeah. I okay, have heard the reports that say he, reports. he shot okay. several people on the way there. Uh, whether okay. it was outside the school, whether it was to, in order to gain entry, uh, I didn't hear those specifics. But when we start talking about solutions and what we can actually do... Um, in general and statistically if you actually look at it on a national level places where people are armed don't have these situations happen yeah I, I don't know that there has ever been a mass shooting in a gun show yeah right the, and and those guys typically don't want you to carry at least a loaded weapon like the, yeah but there's ammo around and there's guns yeah. around people know don't go to a gun show and start shooting people and and a lot of it is also just the mentality of the people that go to a place like yep. that. They're willing to fight to defend themselves and others. And there hasn't even been a giant robbery attempt during the open hours. Right. You right. know, after after hours, there's been I think there's been a robbery attempts like when the whole thing shut down. I think that happened in Orlando one time where they broke in and tried to steal a bunch of guns. Um, but that's that's avoiding the fact of like of of they the conflict the with right. in confrontation with actual individuals. Right. And, yep. and, you know, interpersonal conflict is the universal phobia. I think it's something like 98% of, of all human beings have a natural fear of fighting with another human being. And, and that's a good thing, that, that we shouldn't want that. And the other 2% that don't have any fear of it at all are considered psychopaths. Yep. So we all have kind of this natural resistance to engaging in that, which is why it's important if we're going to defend ourselves, to do something to prepare ourselves mentally to be able to break through that barrier of fear when and if the, the need arises. So on a national level, I think awareness is probably one of the biggest things we can really do to help people. Yeah. You know, you say one of the th first things you have to do is accept the reality that this is happening. Yeah, in our active shooter response training, accepting the reality as reality, as funny as that sounds, is the like one of the first things that we need to do yep. and when we listen to the interviews last night i listened to five different girls on on the news stations to give their testimony and the constant theme that we kept hearing from these girls was i didn't believe it was happening i couldn't believe it was so surreal it didn't it hasn't it even felt like hit a me. dream 
Yeah, so Lindsay just joined us. It felt Sorry. like a dream, <laughs> right? <clears throat> People are like, man, Rich sounds like a girl all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> right? His voice cracked. No, I just wanted to chime in really quick, too, because I hear that all the time. Uh, also, like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't, you know, and you mm -hmm. do it to yourself and you hear other people say it and it's like, you need to snap out of that because it is happening. It's happening to you right now. And you can either deny it or face Accept it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Accept it. Yeah. yeah. So the reality on that is we have, you, people always talk about fight or flight. Mm -hmm. There's a third one. There's freeze. freeze. Yeah. So when people are going, I, I can't believe this is actually happening. This seems so re surreal. They're stuck in that freeze moment. Mm -hmm. and, and that's not a place that we want to be um, if we're gonna fight or we're gonna or we're gonna run you know w whichever one we're gonna do it's it's better than freezing and, yeah. and just staying locked up yeah yeah um, well yeah just something that goes along with that is uh, being a woman I guess a lot of people a lot of women out there are kind of uh, resistant to training with firearms and stuff like that <coughs> and part of it is because they don't think it's going to happen to them you know they live in a I don't want to say fantasy world but some people do live in a fantasy world and they think everything's going to be okay and nothing bad will ever happen to them or the people they love so um, when you're in that mindset of course you're not going to be ready for it when it does happen and of course I'm not walking around in fear thinking that something terrible is going to happen every time I leave the house but if I train now and put myself in those situations and do the muscle memory and, you know, get used to it, it'll become second nature so that if it does happen, I'm not stuck in that, I can't believe this is happening, this is a dream, this isn't happening. You know, I'm already in it and I already know how to react and respond and it's not, you know, out of my reality. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah, the, the whole mentality of you know, I can't believe this is happening, it, it's not real, is really a situation where people have denied the world that they live in. They, we need to start accepting that the world can be a dangerous place. Most of the time, it's pretty safe. One of the, I, th I believe it was a, a girl that was at the school uh, made the comment in one of the interviews that we, ours was the safest school. This was the safest school. Now, I don't know what made her say that. Maybe it's you know, all the metal detectors and everything they have to go through to get into school. Maybe it was just that nothing previously had happened and maybe there's not very many fights. I don't know why she said that, but that's obviously the perception and it tends to be everybody's perception. Yeah. When you look nationwide at the school performance, right, so this isn't like bashing public schools, but it's generally pretty low. It's between a C and a D nationwide compared to like 15, 20 years ago. But when you ask people about their school, the one they attend, it's different. And, it, and everybody says this. Our yeah. school is different. Yeah, I know the schools in general across the country are bad, but ours is different. And we tend to think that same way when it comes to safety. I know that kind of stuff can happen other places, but not where I live or not at my school or not at my work. And your school, your work, your home, none of those places are exempt from violence. Violence can happen because people are flawed human beings that do things they shouldn't do. Yeah. And when that happens, you have to be prepared to react accordingly. And if you think about it in advance, you have a much higher probability of doing the right thing as opposed to pretending like it'll never happen. Yep. So some of the things that we can do from a solution standpoint, let's just talk personal for a second. So personally, uh, parents, you can train with your children. You can you can get or you can get training yourself, whether it's with our company or other companies or local law enforcement officers. 
Um, <clears throat> I know there's a lot of people who provide training around the country and uh, you know you can get some awareness some other things is there's some equipment out um, and again I'm not I, I'm not marketing any particular company so I'm not even gonna say a company's name but there's equipment out there that makes or companies that make backpacks that you can put body armor plates in uh, maybe that's something to look into or if you're going to school I know when we were going to school growing up you always had like seven books in your backpack which would be more than enough to now you just have body seven armor. tablets yeah now you got tablets <laughs> and stuff so like I don't know if, if, if kids these days carry enough stuff in their backpacks <coughs> to actually utilize as body armor but if you have a backpack that has uh, you know uh, one of those armor plates in it that you can put on your back if you're running away from the threat you can throw on your chest if you're running towards the threat to the exit now these things are not because you're paranoid these things you know like a lot of people like to, to say well you're I'm not gonna send my kid to school with a metal you know plate in their backpack because I'm not a prepper I'm not a survivalist I'm not no like these things aren't because you're you're you got something wrong with you these are preventive measures you take you know vitamin C to stay healthy you t you know if you think yeah. you're gonna get sick or you take an antibiotic when you do get sick like these are all things you do to prolong your life I don't put on my seatbelt because I'm freaking out exactly. every time I get in my car that I'm gonna be in a car crash but I put on my seatbelt because it's like hey stuff happens the one day I may be in a crash I don't know when it's coming yep and I've been in a lot of car crashes yeah. and flips and all that kind of stuff so you know they have come in handy you know the, the seatbelt arguments a completely different thing but um, just saying like when I I don't get in my car in fear every day that I may be in a crash it's just one of those things that I'm aware that crashes can happen mm -hmm. accidents do happen and the time and space that we live in right now the reality is a Come on, man. <laughs> we can't be having this. Yeah, the the, the, uh, <clears throat> the time that we live in now, these kind of attacks happen. And there's been uh, threats that, that every generation has faced. And this is currently the one that, that our generations are dealing with. And it's not just here in the United States. It's in Europe. It's all over. You know, whether it's active shooter or terrorist attacks or whatever. It, it doesn't matter who the kid was. We don't know anything really about him yet. We don't. It doesn't matter if he was you know, part of MS-13, Antifa, a terrorist, a white supremacist. None of that stuff matters um, from the the intent standpoint is he came to do harm. What are you going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? And if, if it's from one group, that it, next time it's going to be from another group. Mm -hmm. You know, so we can't get caught up and let the, let the media wheel divide us as a nation and start trying to separate ourselves and, and start um, internally attacking each other, you know, but from a preparedness standpoint, there's things that we can do to get our children ready, to get our children prepared, whether it's with training or equipment, as ourselves as individuals or parents, we can do the same thing. And I would say, I, I would argue from a local standpoint, we could start arguing for the removal of these gun-free zones to start having our teachers have the ability to go through training if they choose to and have some armed members in the school as as active first response uh, first responders to conflict resolution you know or having police officers or maybe veterans who can do some community service work or get paid I don't know how that would work 
But if we can get some people in these schools and on these premises and get rid of these gun-free zones and allow the people to start protecting themselves and allow the people to start protecting their children, you know, that's a local level which would ultimately have to go up to the political level. And on a political level, obviously there's, there's an argument there of do we ban guns or do we uh, give people that will allow them to keep their guns. And everyone's arguing their, this common sense, you keep hearing this common sense gun control. And you know, I'm listening on the news today and they're like, we just need common sense gun control. People shouldn't have automatic weapons you know, coming into schools and it's like, okay, well, automatic weapons have been banned since the 90s, so I don't know what you're talking about. There was no automatic weapons. There was a semi-automatic weapon. And the one senator from Florida is on there talking about, oh, well, you know, I'm an avid hunter. I've been hunting all my life. I grew up on a ranch. I hunt with my son. And, uh, you know, the AR-15 was designed to kill. That's not a hunting rifle. You know, we need to have a common sense reform, you know, like a solution that Dianne Feinstein has put up. And, uh, and it's like, She's the least common sense yeah. person. She has no common sense. She talks about the the reform that she put forward a few years ago or whatever, and um, which she doesn't you know, even know about the, the terrorist watch are. list. But what they didn't tell you is that there was no there was no uh, qualification to what put you on the terrorist watch list. So then, when Joel was talking about before, it becomes very subjective, like the Nazis became very subjective to if they deemed you as a threat you were put on the list and you were dealt with you know what i mean so like well what puts you on that terrorist list yeah well they were just talking it's it's slightly aside but it's the same mentality is uh you know so there's this talk recently about mike pence said something about you know hearing from jesus and and you know ben shapiro did a good job saying he's he's referring to his conviction of his conscience is what he's referring to but the left jumps all over it and says he's mentally ill right he's mentally ill because he's saying he hears words from jesus but it's not mentally ill right now in our country you know on a popular level to say that somebody who wants to mutilate their genitalia and change their own gender they're not mentally ill but someone who's religious is mentally ill now whichever side of the argument you're on in either of those cases is really irrelevant here's what's relevant both of those perspectives are subjective so we hear a lot about you know you've got the the quote-unquote common sense stuff and then you've also got the well this person was mentally ill so mentally ill people shouldn't be allowed to own firearms well who determines who's mentally ill who determines what level of mental illness qualifies as you know being able to own or not own firearms at the end of the day well like anytime anytime you bring up like a list like yeah. mentally ill or whatever, it doesn't matter what the list is. Anytime you bring up a list, I always like to think, uh, always like to point out the fact that are the lists the government, the government is going to make up, you know, the mentally ill list or whatever the case may be, as good as the list, the, the no-fly list for flying because there's multiple senators and, and people that are on the no-fly list for whatever reason. Right. So, I mean, if, the, if, not be, if you can't get on a plane, does that mean you can't own a gun? Like, if you... If you are mentally ill, can you still get on a plane? Because so like so here's the question on that. Here's here would be my question to that. So if you're on a no-fly list, you can't get on a plane because you're a danger to the people on the plane. Well, what what allows you? What stops you from actually having a vehicle? Like why? So we're putting the focus on the gun, but the biggest numerous vehicle attacks. The the most successful terrorist attacks so far to date have been by flying a plane into a building by exploding 
car bombs outside of buildings and by driving vehicles through crowds. Yep. So the top body count terrorist attacks have nothing to do with firearms. Right. You know what I mean? So when we go into this and you get on these watch lists and all this kind of stuff, well, then does that take away your rights to drive? Does that take, like, where do we go with this? So now it becomes a bigger thing of, well, give me the opportunity to protect myself and my family and stop micromanaging my life. Yep. You know what I mean? Allow well, me and to that, fight that for my... That is the ultimate basis of yeah. a lot of these, these restrictions. So what they're saying is the government, when they try and impose these restrictions, is basically saying we, as the government, are going to determine what risks you're allowed to have and not allowed to have. But when does when does that dry up? So we've got a situation where can the government tell you you're allowed to own your own business, or is that too risky? Can the government tell you you're allowed to jump out of, of airplanes and do skydiving, or is that too risky? And, and so all of these things, it sounds a little bit ridiculous when you first start to think about it, but that's where the slippery slope goes. Yeah, It's always a slippery slope when we get into these subjective areas. So at the end of the day, <clears throat> the best solution is always personal responsibility for yourself and your family. And, and the freedom to have personal responsibility for yourself and your freedom so that yourself and your family so that you can make the decisions that are best for you. And, and then we, we suffer the consequences or enjoy the benefits of our decisions. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if we, if we go anywhere else, we begin drawing, like you said, these lists that, that are impossible to maintain and control. We put in place subjective things, which of course you love when your president's in office or your senators are the ones that have control. Yeah. But as soon as the other side has it, you complain about the same power that you put in place when your people were there. Yeah. The, the bottom line is anytime government has this power, it's problematic for some group of people. Yeah. The, we just need personal responsibility for individuals and start taking that power away from the government, putting it back into the hands of the people to Put defend themselves. Put it back into the local communities. Yep. And if the local communities say, we want armed guards to protect our children just like they protect banks, just like they protect any other facility that has high-value items in it, right? Well, we yeah, it's okay for it's okay for me as a banker to hire a, a private security company to come in and secure my money. Yeah. Well, not mine, but the bank's money that we have, or the people's money that's in the bank. However, you want to look at it. But it's not okay for me as a school to hire a private security company to come yeah. in and do security well, say, on the school because children it's, it's there a, because it's a public school. Yeah, and because there's children there. Yeah. So, so if the children are our most valuable asset, then why don't we treat it as such? putting up a sign a gun freeze so you have we can either ban guns which hasn't worked for like if we ban guns just like if, okay well alcohol is illegal under 21 show me high school kids who don't get their hands on alcohol and party right right drugs there's been a war on drugs there's been a war on poverty people are still broke and, and people still are still doing, doing drugs. drugs yeah so we can ban guns and do a war on guns and ban guns well, they're already and criminals yeah. Right, so why so, is passing another law going to yep. make the criminal yeah. obey the law? And that's been one of the, the counters to the anti-gun yeah. uh, laws from the very beginning. And it's, <clears throat> it's a totally valid one, which is why it's still around, is criminals don't obey the law already. Yeah. And there are plenty of ways to get any weapons. And, you know, even if we removed all the guns from America, what happens in Africa when people get upset? They use machetes. Yeah. You know, now in, in England, they're talking about doing knife bans yeah. because they got rid of all the guns. Eventually, it took years and years and years, but it doesn't stop the violence in people's hearts. Yeah. And they get a hold of knives, and now the knife 
uh, murder rates are as high as the, the gun murder rates were because it's not the, the tool that's used, it's the issue of the human heart. Yeah. So the human heart issue is a whole other topic and we're, and we're getting long on time here. But so something we would take into consideration wherever you sit on this. So you have, uh, we have a couple options, right? One option is you can promote to your local community that you want stricter gun control and you want the government to come in and take over more regulation and have and, and take charge in that aspect. Or you can say we want less government control and we want more power within the community so that we can uh, empower our school board to supply uh, security guards and security countermeasures for our students and allow us to protect our children um, through our own communities and um, and start looking into it in that way and start getting rid of some of these gun-free zones. So wherever you sit or wherever you stand on that, um, that's that's obviously your opinion. Your your you know obviously you have the right to that, but <clears throat> we just have to remember where when your opinion starts taking away the rights of other people to defend themselves and their uh, their right to life. You know, we have to ask when. At what point does does that that line need to be drawn? Yeah, and you were mentioning earlier training for your children, training for yourself personally. If people want more uh, information on that training, how can they get that? So we have a uh, active shooter response training at uh, uh, FullSpectrumWarrior.us, and um, we're we have uh, the the step by step process to how to react from a thought process. And, and tactic standpoint to one of these attacks uh, and it gives you a game plan and then we, we will be releasing over the next couple months um, s different scenario based uh, tactics for vehicle attack for attacking a school for attacking an office building and so on and so forth more of actual locational or situational type of information but um we have training at fullspectrumwarrior.us, and if you can't get training with us, there's a lot of other companies around the country that provide training, and uh, I would definitely look into it and start educating yourself on on ways that you can empower your family. Look, guys, you know we're not trying to press our opinion or the way we view things on anybody. And again, like I said before, we're not trying to you know armchair quarterback this thing and and say people did anything wrong or people did anything right. We don't have the information. We weren't we weren't boots on ground. We weren't there. Um, also, we're we're not trying to sell you a product. We're not we're not doing this just to, to get you to, to take training through us or, or to get you to to buy products from us. This is just something we put together just to kind of put our viewpoint out there and, and so the way we see things. Um, again, I know all of us would would just like to let everybody know that our thoughts and our prayers are, are with the families <laughs> and the friends. Um, that had that had to go through this and, and it's a very traumatic experience and um, you know some of those kids are, are now gonna have to for the rest of their lives have to deal with something that that you know nobody should have to deal with and and it's an unfortunate way of life but um, so we just have to be supportive of, the, of that for them and that's all I got to say about that <laughs> Joel no, I think it's it's all good stuff. So, you know, biggest thing is understand that this is a possible reality, and um, 
and try and prepare yourself as much as you can and your family to, to deal with it should it happen in your immediate proximity. Yep. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll be back for another uh, podcast soon. We have, we have some great dog trainers coming in this weekend to our Deep Woods facility here in Florida. Uh, we got um, Mike from Third Eye Canine. Joel will be back again with Fortress Canine and myself. Uh, we have a couple other law enforcement officers who are coming in, and we're going to be really diving deep into uh, the combatives uh, with the dogs, so the side-by-side between the, the dogs and the shooter or the operator or the, or the individual and how we can maximize the uh, effectiveness and, and the benefit, the force multiplier of having a solid foundation as an individual side-by-side with a dog that has a solid foundation. So we'll stay tuned for that. That's going to be, we'll, we'll talk with those guys on the next episode. Um, and we'll see where that conversation goes as far as the direction. But uh, thanks again for tuning in and we'll talk to you again soon. Let us know if you want to learn more about some active shooter scenario training. We can uh, possibly look at putting another, together another podcast based around that. So, all right, guys, thanks for listening. Have a good day.